You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly. Welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast, the podcast that covers news and events happening in the world of Lucha Libre, talking Mexico-based promotions and top independents, along with Luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast streaming platforms like iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Podface Speaker, and much, much more. And don't forget our streaming partners at TheChairShot.com. My name is Miranda Morales, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. And let me bring in the rest of the team. Introducing first, he is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Miranda? I am doing great. And for those of you who have not listened before, which you should, know that, again, this is a trio's team. <laughs> so let me bring in the third member of this team, and that's who? Who? Oh, oh there who? it is. <laughs> who? <laughs> who is the one and only Brendan Barr? <laughs> Dusty was, was lagging tonight. It threw yeah. me off. Chew it out a little. Yes. But Uh, that's our proof we're doing this live. Yes, (laughs) we're doing it live. No no recorded intros, no editing in post. What you get, (laughs) what you listen to is what you're getting tonight. Or whenever you listen to the Lucha Central Weekly podcast, you may be hearing this during the day or on a weekend. I'm not sure. But thank you. Regardless of what time of day you are listening to this or what day of the week you're listening to this. We are very grateful for all of our listeners out there, for everyone who stuck with us this year, the year that was 2022. I cannot believe we've made it. We're here, the end of the year. And with that, you know what time it is? It's time for our annual end of year awards. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Yes. And again, for those of you who maybe this is your first time listening, a very interesting time to join in. Let me just mention that. Uh, <laughs> but you I know, think, they have time for the holidays. Yeah, they sit that's down. true. They're yeah, avoiding maybe. their family. You know, I understand that. I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. Uh, but what this means is that myself, Brendan, and Dusty, we go through uh, and nominate different luchadors and luchadores and matches and whatnot uh, to highlight the year that was in Lucha Libre. So we have six categories in which we will be talking about today on this week's episode. We're going to be talking about all of the nominees for our six categories and then... In our next episode that will be airing in the new year, we are going to give you our results and give you the uh, winners of each of these categories. So it's actually going to be 
an interesting breakdown because uh, it's actually going to be some time. We're going to discuss all of our nominees and then we are going to vote in later on. And then in a few weeks, get back after our little hiatus and then announce the winners. So a lot can happen in the next uh, few weeks. Hell, so stuff happened between this week and last week. Just That's changing between our stuff. planning meeting for this and, and this. We will talk about that in the show for sure. So. Yes. So we got a, a lot to, to cover and we're excited to be sharing that well with all of you this week. So stay tuned, get buggled up, and we are going to jump into our end of year awards. But well, before we do that, we're going to break off. Well, and usually we do this a little bit later on, but uh, with the way the show structure, we're going to jump into it uh, a little bit sooner. We are going to kick it off to Denise Alcedo, who brings us this week's Lucha Central Central. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of LuchaCentral.com. On Tuesdays, Matt, Mats, and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at LuchaCentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday nights live, it's WrestleBoss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener Collins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central Weekly podcast, one in English y el otro en español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed and please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love for now this is denise salcedo signing off from lucha central central have a great week lucha-masks.com by pro wrestling revolution bringing you in partnership with mask republic the lucha brothers as well as japanese legend ultimo dragon 
Go to lucha-masks.com and fight lucha strong with masks from your favorite lucha legends and pro wrestling revolution luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador. Get yours now at lucha-masks.com powered by pro wrestling revolution. All right, well, we're just going to keep on rolling because this is not stopping. <laughs> Let's do it. I've tried to, to stop this recording, and it's not happening. So <laughs> that's okay. Again, we talked about it. It's uh, going to be live, so we're just going to uh, keep on rolling with this. So we are going to jump into our end-of-year awards. We have six different categories that we're going to be discussing. Each one of us is going to be taking the lead uh, in sharing the nominees, and then we're going to give you some insights and background as to why this individual group, whatever it may be, was nominated for this category. So to start off with, we're going to start with our very first category, Rising Star of the Year. And it's a pretty broad category, as you'll see in our nominations. This year we have five nominations for Rising Star of the Year. To begin with, we have Black Taurus, Lindsay Dorado, Dominic Mysterio, Commander, and I want to say maybe for the first time, we have a trio uh, in this uh, category, Nueva uh, Generation Dinamita. And that rounds off uh, our categories for Rising Star of the Year. Uh, Dusty, Brendan, I mean, kind of share your thoughts on this category, uh, who you may have nominated and why. Well, I mean, I didn't nominate them, but we're going to have to go right to the uh to the elephant in the room here. We Dominic Mysterio is on this list. Yeah. And uh I mean, he based on the first half of the year, he wouldn't have been. No, <laughs> not at all. 100%. I mean, what a turnaround. <laughs> what a turnaround. Absolutely agree. Um I so Dusty, you are our resident uh SmackDown and WWE guy. You want to talk a little bit about uh what yeah, has well, done. at the beginning of the year, he was kind of still doing the Rey Mysterio Jr. thing, very bland baby face. Whatever the opposite of charisma is, that's what it felt like Dominic had for a while there. He became stale. It just <laughs> wasn't what it should have been. But then he got paired up with Judgment Day. And at first, it was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, we knew this was coming. But boy, he and Rhea Ripley have really taken the ball and run with it. At Thanksgiving, they showed up at Rey Mysterio's house with a camera and whooped his ass together. And she has the shirts much like the Eddie Guerrero shirts, but they say, I'm your mommy. And like, holy crap, the turnaround that Judgment Day, not Judgment Day really, I mean that's part of it, but truly it's his pairing with Rhea Ripley. That has been the magic element. Something about the two of them working together. He's got the Eddie Guerrero mullet now and he he really embodies that lie, cheat, and steal era, Eddie. And just really figured it out such a good heel he's almost a simp character for Rhea Ripley but he makes it work so well that you love it like it's hard to imagine like 
like if so, you had told everybody a year ago on this podcast, oh yeah, next year Dominic's going to be Rhea Ripley, Rhea Ripley simp, and we're all going to love it. Everybody been like, come on, <laughs> but that's, that's, what that's what happened. And and it's so good. It's so good that I feel like it really puts him to the front of the pack. He just turned it around so much. Like I say, he was kind of a charisma vacuum there for a while. It felt like he was there just as a nepotism thing, but he's really coming to his own. He's really stepped up, taking him away from Ray, really let him be a star. And that has been so cool to watch because it's a completely different Dominic, like the last three or four months than we had ever seen before. And he is just everything he does. He kills it. It's just perfect every time. Great stuff going on right now for Dominic. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with the turning point that we've had with the Judgment Day and really coming into his own identity. And a lot of that started with you know turning on his dad, which we've talked about on this show. You know, uh, originally something that Ray didn't want to have happen, um, but. We've seen how much it's allowed Dominic to grow in his own and have his own identity. Um, this year, you know, we really saw his wrestling ability come into a higher level, which I think that was something we really didn't get the chance to see in 2021. So I think that combined with now a bigger persona, we're seeing the full package of who Domino, Dominic Mysterio can be. And I think that's really the exciting part for him. So we, you both talked about the persona and we've talked about this. I think the thing that works for me is that, uh, his new persona feels authentic. It mm-hmm. doesn't, it does, it does not feel like somebody backstage wrote this character for him and he's just performing it. Like there is an element of it or some either. Maybe he's the most amazing actor in the WWE. I, I, I don't know, but it does. It feels authentic. And that's what makes a really good wrestling personality. One of the reasons that Los Ingramanables is one of my favorite factions is because all of those guys are, uh, feel authentic with their disdain for traditional baby face. Uh, just, for those of you who are familiar with that, if not, uh, go back to this day in Lucha. We've covered that a couple of times on there. Um, and, and yeah, I, I mean, just that's what I, I, that's all I needed to add to that. You guys covered most of what I think makes Dominic great. I think, uh, his personality is, uh, is really a big factor in it though. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to jump to someone who may not be an obvious rising star of the year, but uh, someone that I think had a, a fantastic year on the independent scene, and that's Lince Dorado. Um, yes. Someone who's been an established luchador for many, many years, but this it was really the year that we got to see him out in the independence throughout the United States and around the world, really making his debut with CMLL. And, uh, I think that this is the, oh, you know, the Lindsay that we've been wanting to see on television now for, for years, uh, with Lucha House Party, but he's, talk about someone who's come into his own. Um, you know, this is the most interesting luchador in the world. Um, <laughs> he is someone who has such a lot Just of ask charisma. Just asking, he'll tell you. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but uh, amazing talent as far as in ring, but again, being able to see more of his personality and charisma, and someone who could have fantastic matches coast to coast, and also I think a bit of some career reinvigoration in CMLL. Um, and someone who's been a hot commodity all over the world. This is the Lindsay we knew personally on this show that he could be and, and what he could produce. And I think now everyone else is seeing that. Absolutely. Um, I do also want to point out, since we were just talking about charisma, he was able to, at Expo Lucha, hold the microphone and keep a, a room full of people entertained for the better part of, of an hour, I believe mm-hmm. it was. Oh, yeah. yeah. So well, I look mean, at our interview with him. We could have easily <laughs> gone twice as long. I mean, he was a great interview. Yeah, he, well, he's a very yeah, but and that charisma and so yeah, yeah, like yeah. so much charisma, and it's unique that he. A lot of people have physical charisma, but he has like vocal charisma as well. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah. he can talk, and he is so smooth and. Everything he does is so intentful in a way. And like Miranda mentioned with CMLL, we really got to see almost like the grown-up version of Lince mm-hmm. Dorado compared to what we got to see before. He's, you know, a little more adult in his website, his uh, streams, his things like that. It, yeah, the whole Lucha Lit thing going on now, very fun. Lince had a great year this year. It's just incredible what he was able to do. We we talk about people trying to leave WWE and grab that brass ring, and he really did it. I mean, mm-hmm. you heard more things and more really, really good things about Lince Dorado this year than you had any year previously in his career. Well, yeah. yeah. We've also frequently covered just how miserable we thought the use of him was in WWE. Correct. Which is- you know, him and his partner, who uh, I, I'm going to go out on the limb now and predict that he's going to be a nominee for one of these awards next year. I think Mascara Dorada is going to be a big yes. name now that he's free, too. But he uh, hasn't had nearly enough momentum for me to, to nominate him this year. <laughs> Uh, but uh, speaking of my nominations, since we're kind of there, I'm just going to jump ahead. I'm the one that nominated MGD. I really, I know they were an established commodity, and everybody in the Lucha community has known who they are for years. They've seen them in CMLL as as one of the definitive trios that was performing at Arena Mexico. But I think uh, breaking away from CMLL and and going with both the Indies and AAA has really put the put a rocket on them and that's why I wanted to they are to the best of my knowledge the first trio the first non-singles wrestler that uh, have been nominated but uh yeah not only did they make an immediate impact when they showed up in AAA but uh they are kind of redefining how AAA is using trios. Like they're back to use it having serious trios. It's not just uh three guys that they slap together versus the Psycho Circus, who was the only trio for a well, them and Poter del Norte. Um yeah, they beat Poter del Norte yeah. in order to really establish that. And I I think we may see Poter del Norte come back at some point for an, a, a series with them again. And I'm I'm here for it, but that's more or less what I think. Um, there's more talk and more chatter about the trios championship than there has been in years in the mm-hmm. uh, in AAA, and that is why I 
felt that's why I nominated them. You guys go ahead and. Well, like you say, they have been around, but much like with Lindsay, this has really been their year. And, and again, much like everything we mentioned with Lindsay, you hear more good things about NGD this year than you have in a long time. And just the kind of wave they're on, like you say, the strongest, in my opinion, the strongest trio in Mexico right now, because you have Psycho Clown kind of stepping aside from the Psycho Circus. Mm-hmm. And I think that really opens up a lot of room for NGD to step in because people love, especially in Mexico, it's a tradition. People love trios wrestling. And like I say, without a big star in Psycho Circus now, with Psycho Clown stepping out and being more of a singles wrestler, doing different trios and stuff, I think NGD are the most cohesive trio in AAA at the moment. And so that cannot be denied. Yeah, I know we will be talking a, a bit more about them uh, in our other category, but still pretty pretty groundbreaking too. They are the first trio to be nominated for this uh, category, so that's also you know a big indication of the the influence they've had this year. Um, I think it's a important thing uh, to to recognize. Um, I. I was, uh, I want to also <laughs> talk about another nominee, and I don't remember who put this on here, um, but someone who's really making a, a, a big presence in the United States is Commander. Um, and I want to be one of those cool people to say I knew Commander back when, mainly because of, of <laughs> Brendan's explanation of, of Commander uh, and in all his matches in Mexico. But I want to also get your guys' input about, you know, why Commander's nominated this year. Well, I was the one that put him on the board, and again, you're on the, the exact same thing. He, uh, he's been big in the indies. We've been talking about him for a while, uh, just in our indie roundup. I had, we, I had the privilege of watching him when he was, uh, just working up in the, in chaos up north, uh, which is, uh, you know, he was doing good stuff then, but, uh, the, this is the year he, he lit up the, the internet. He went viral two or three times. Uh, he, he, um, he doesn't have the polish of a Vikingo, but he has a very similar style. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so they, he will, he will hit the, he will do crazy things in the middle of a match. He will defy gravity and give it the giant middle finger in the middle of an 18 million hundred splash or whatever it is he's doing. Uh, and, uh, I mean, that's why I view him as a rising star is that, uh, unlike Vikingo, who I, have, I don't know why I chose to compare him, but we're here now, so, uh, <laughs> uh, he, he's not, a, he's not, he's not established yet, so people are only yeah. gonna really start latching onto him in the next couple of years. We'll, you know, hopefully we see a lot more of him in the Indies. I think we will, and maybe, I mean, there was a huge, you know, his viral thing for GCW this summer, that yes. can't be denied. He was at Ric Flair's last match this summer. He was in the Bunkhouse Battle Royal match. That was huge for him. But also his alignment with Bandito. He's been on a lot of big lucha shows. We see him aligned with Bandito. He and Bandito have teamed together in Japan this year and a very interesting tag team. And so we might see him in AEW. You know, they're kind of looking for more lucha it seems like at the moment or at least very capable lucha and somebody like commander on a national stage could be very very interesting yeah 
yeah, uh, he he offers a lot um, um, in national stage or the or the smaller arenas that uh, are are the indie arenas. There's a lot of of big ups to having him there. Sure. Now, I do have to segue into our final nominee, and this is based off of something uh, you guys had mentioned, Ric Flair's last match. Another person who was at Ric Flair's last match uh, event uh, had a big role in the uh, Lucha Libre 4-way with uh, Phoenix, Laredo Kid, and Bandito was Black Taurus. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we talked about the viral clips of, you know, Black Taurus. I believe it was Lare- saving Laredo's kid's neck. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, he and, uh, he uh, saved a I, life that day. He saved a life yeah. that day. Um, <laughs> but real. I particularly nominated Black Taurus because of, again, this growing presence that he's had um, in the United States this year. And uh, I think those big matches and big moments. Um, not just in the, in the independence, but he's had a very, uh, strong year in impact as well. And it continues success there, um, with multiple matches in the X division. Um, one thing I was going through and totally forgot, but I'm remembering it again, had a, a big Haas match with Jonah, um, back, uh, in the summer at, at impact wrestling's no surrender. Um, and he's just someone who is consistently putting on great matches, can truly wrestle anybody of any size. Um, I, I, he's just someone that continues to amaze me in the ring and someone who, you know, you could put him up against an, another huge guy. You could put him up against a luchador. You could put him really in anything. And it just his ability to adapt and his ability to also have just a keen sense of awareness is really special. And um, I think he's going to continue to have such a huge presence on the independence, but I think he's really greatly situated um, at impact where he could easily have eyes on him, you know, from an AEW or even WWE um, because of how just how unique his skill set is. I mean, you have to see him live to really appreciate a couple things about him. Mm-hmm. He has an incredible core. He lifts up grown men with ease catches them midair he holds them midair like all of the crazy things we talk about vikingo and commander doing uh often happen off of guys like black taurus and i think black taurus yeah. is one of the guys that does it the best yeah but uh unlike a lot of those other guys he is super quick too mm-hmm. like you know <laughs> he has so many blinking you missed it sort of moments in these matches uh I, yeah I, I, there's just I, I don't see anything slowing him down. He is, um, he just needs that rocket strapped to him. And I think, uh, he, he him being an MLW is the start of that, or sorry, impact. Apologize there, uh, is the start of that. And, uh, like you said, that could put, that could lead to other things. It could lead to him, uh, being all kinds of places in the, in the next couple of years. And that's what this category is all about. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a close second as far as someone um, who could have been kind of co-nominated on here is um, a Laredo Kid. Um, yeah, both of them made a, such a, a huge impact, uh, impact, uh, no pun intended. Uh, but I think 
uh, you know, Torres edged out a Laredo kid a little bit. Some of it was just unfortunate due to injury, um, with Laredo kid, you know, um, earlier this fall getting injured. Uh, but I think as just looking at someone who truly had a, a breakthrough year, um, compared to someone who's very uh, consistent in performance and notoriety as, as Laredo kid, I think this year, you know, Black Taurus really kind of edged out and, and peaked through um, in ways that we hadn't seen him previously. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think I agree. And I mean, that's the to me the the rising stars category is one of the hardest. Uh, mm-hmm. We we talked a little bit about this is the first year we had a trio on there, but I mean we also talked off air about the fact that sometimes you have guys that have long established careers, like mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, they're. In the past, you could still have argued for guys like Ric Flair to have been a rising star well after they were an established personality mm-hmm. just because, yeah. you know, he commanded all the headlines for 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 the, the whole year. So, like, that's the kind of thing we have to – we take – and that makes it really hard, like mm-hmm. – you know, and then there's guys uh, – or and women. There's a lot of women that uh, – uh, I consider on considered on this too, and I know uh Miranda too. Yeah. Uh, that uh, I mean, you know, there we go, Dusty. I figured, but I wasn't going to speak for her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, but there's a lot of people that uh, that, that could have been on this particular category, and and it's just hard to narrow it down to a few because we only have a few minutes to do this show. We don't want to talk your ears off all night about how awesome. All the wrestlers are. Yeah. Find us at the bar after a show. We'll do that. Yes. <laughs> so that does it for Rising Star of the Year. I'm going to hand it off to Brendan, who's going to be announcing our nominees for Trios of the Year. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, we have, it looks like, oh, I need to put my readers back on. It looks like we have four nominees for Trio of the Year. Um. And uh, this is, again, kind of back to the point about we're, – we're talking more about it, but we've got some big names for this. So our first one is AEW's Death Triangle, consisting of uh, Penta, who uh, – is he still a Oscuro, Dusty, or is he back to uh, Zero Mirdo? I think he's back to Zero Mirdo. Yeah, yeah I think they're back. He's back to that. Uh, yeah. I don't think he's Oscura <laughs> anymore. Okay. Yeah. I, His mask I, isn't the obscurer style anymore no. right now. Well, certainly not when I see when he was in AAA, but uh yeah, he uh he uh so we've got Penta, we've got his his brother Phoenix, and then you have the odd fit, but that somehow magically makes it work perfectly, uh at Pack. And uh, so that is the Death Triangle. They are currently on a huge upward swing because they're yeah. getting massive storyline over in AEW. They're still popping in indies and and selling out crowds for sure. Um, you know, we'll see lots of them. I mean, the, the only thing that was slowing them down in the previous year was that Pac was uh, stuck on the wrong side of the ocean. Uh, and then yeah, COVID, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that we have Death Triangle, 
We have Legato del Fantasma, which is in WWE, and I'm going to struggle with names again because I didn't write them down. Uh, it's um, Santos Escobar. Oh, go ahead, Miranda. I was going to say Santos Escobar, uh, Cruz del Toro, and Joaquin Wilde. Right. Yes. It was Cruz del Toro. I will never yeah, remember that I name. Yeah, I always want to call him Raul. <laughs> Yep. He will be Raul Mendoza forever. In my yes, opinion. yes. <laughs> yeah. Ghetto. It took me a second to remember. And uh, yeah, and Santos, I switch sometimes to Phantasma still. So, uh, but yeah. So, uh, but and we yeah. can't forget Selena. She's their mouthpiece and their heat <laughs> magnet. Yes, well, we yes. Are, well, what is it in the trio sense? Yeah, we are we are speaking strictly about strictly the of the in ring trio. Yes, uh, we can. When we talk about why they're nominated, I am positive she will become a conversation topic. But uh, moving on, we also have La Impresa from AAA. Now this one is harder because they've had various forms, and none of us discussed which one we were nominating. So uh, we will bring that up when we come around to the discussion, and then. Obviously, I think everybody could predict NGD is also being nominated because we talked about them so fervently during the Rising Star. So, of course, you have to they have to be in the discussion for Trio of the Year. Um, I'm going to throw this over to Miranda. Who do you want to talk about first? Uh, well, I, I did nominate Legato de Fantasma and I, you know. They're nominated. Are they the strongest candidate here? I'm not sure. I don't know if just survival means that they uh, are worthy of the award, because that's kind of what 2022 was like for them, is that they uh, (laughs) survived, you know, the new iteration of NXT, um, major layoffs, um, and even moved up to SmackDown. Um but they always kind of struggle, you know, uh, Raul, um, or Joaquin and Cruz, uh, they never quite got to the NXT tag team titles, which I think was truly meant to be, you know, that pinnacle for them. Um, but they are pretty much the longest, you know, ranging, uh, faction in NXT, you know, outside of, um, you know, the undisputed era, they, kept surviving after time after time after you know it was it was a close call um I, they had some really great moments and and i'm honestly still very much a fan of of the nxt iteration um still but um it's still a very big milestone for them to have moved on to smackdown when they did because that was something that i think as as fans of nxt we know not everything translates to raw and smackdown and overall they've had some changes you still do have at the core of who legato is um and that's a big deal for them to still have that throughout this year Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, the, especially just the way that they kind of survived, but they did it with style. Mm-hmm. Now that we see them on SmackDown, they're one of the most interesting segments. They look like a million bucks. Their thing with the Viking Raiders is surprisingly interesting. I never really cared about the Viking Raiders. Legato del Fantasma makes me care. And so that's the sign of like a really good trio. But like you mentioned, I, don't know if that's trio of the year. I nominated Death Triangle. 
Like they did not originally win the trios championships in AEW, but once once they did, once they were kind of painted in a corner and they needed somebody to take the titles, elevate them, make people forget that the elite had lost them for a bit. Death Triangle really stepped up, mm-hmm. and you have to remember Kenny Omega was world champion a year ago. The, the Young Bucks tag team champions they were had a hot feud going with Lucha Bros. One of the Best matches of AEW history was Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros for those tag titles. So it really has a lot of built-in story, and they're able to play off of that. You have the kind of inner turmoil between Pinta and Phoenix going on, and then the whole thing with Pac and him being the Mid-Atlantic champion there for a while. A lot of cool stuff going on for Death Triangle, and about as high profile as it can get for a trio in AEW. They're kind of handpicked by the vice presidents, literally, to work with. These are the guys they want to wrestle, and so their placement's been great. The best of seven is honestly genius because it keeps you thinking about Death Triangle and talking it about really, Death Triangle. It really does, and and I know they had announced today the stipulations for the rest of the set of uh, a series of seven matches, and uh, I believe we're getting a no DQ, a no a false count anywhere, and if they make it to match seven, which they will, uh, yeah. they are going to do an Escalera de la Muerte. Uh, match for the finals and so it's stuff like that where both you know teams understand how heavy you know um uh, puestas matches can be and you're absolutely right i mean once um the elite needed to step away death triangle truly stepped in to fill those trios roles and and really give some oomph to that championship so i um, I, I kind of agree as we talk about maybe at the beginning of the year, they probably wouldn't have been in this category, but at the end of it, they truly are one of the strongest trios in all of pro wrestling. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's inarguable that the, where they're ending the year at, that they are going to be in this conversation. Um, the, it, I'm glad that we have a, an era where the the young bucks are not necessarily just holding it uh, the way they that we got here also kind of takes a little bit away from it but uh, but they're running with it they're they're making this uh, you know to Dusty's point this is a omnipresent part of the conversation and usually one of the the more discussed segments in every uh, in the last several weeks uh, of the uh, the the show so Definitely worth it. I'm never going to be against uh, any any nomination that involves uh, any combination of Penta or Phoenix. So, like, they're going to perpetually be on the on on lists for years to come. I think, but uh, um, oh well, well, okay. So let's talk about La Impresa. Yeah, uh, obviously. The regular listeners of the show will know that I am all aboard with Sam Adonis uh, beating up Psycho Clown. So uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that, that's it. That's that, that's yeah. all Brennan needs to share about his nomination. <laughs> um, we, you know, as I mentioned, there's been several uh, iterations of the team. Uh, they had one of the most memorable matches at that ended last year they had a moment that we talked about we were traveling we were talking about match about match of the year we 
we were nom- thinking about nominating until we realized that was in December last year uh, when they were in the cage and you ended with Dave the Clown's bloody mask and they have not let up since that moment. Their foot has been on the gas. They've been they've been there. I mean, even in um, in Tempe, you saw Sam Adonis still pushing the boundaries, calling a triple A his his home. And and so any iteration of this would would be fine. But uh, I, I think the the version we saw earlier in the versions we saw earlier in the year where he was working with uh, Tarus uh, and and uh, other people, I, I can no longer can remember specific combinations. Uh, I think we're we're all fantastic versions of the trio. Um, I'm gonna let Dusty kind of cover for me because he watches AAA with a lot more. Well, uh, I I, w- I was all in on Bon Presa at times, but you know there's <laughs> only about three wrestlers I don't care for in the world, and one of them's Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I I you know I did such a good job of completely ignoring that and forgetting about that that. Yeah, you make a strong argument. <laughs> I mean, I love, I love Puma King. I love Sam Adonis. I love Blue DMT or DMT Azul or whatever he is now. Oh. Very cool dudes. But Jeff Jarrett, I'm like, mm, distasteful. <laughs> but is that because uh, he's good at his job or just because <laughs> – I asked for his autograph one time, and like, I guess it was totally a character, and he said, fuck off, slap nuts. (laughs) Yeah, you know if he busts out slap nuts, he's not super serious there. But it made me so mad. He's the man who really only nominated a trio because of his hatred of Psycho Clown. (laughs) (laughs) No, they. It's calling have, it like I see it. <laughs> they have they have dominated the trio scene in in AAA. Like they, I mean, they had the championship for a good period of time. I now have a picture of myself with it because Sam Adonis brought the, his version his belt with him to Expo Lucha. So they, I mean, they had they had, but they were Freebird ruling it even then. So it's hard mm-hmm. to define the trio. I think that is my biggest problem with them. Uh, so yes. fortunately, Jeff Jarrett was never part of the trio. So I, I <laughs> no, he's still... just like the boss. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, you know, as you said, like Sam Adonis, Puma King, oh, yeah. Diamante Azul, or uh, DMZ Azul, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic combination. Yeah. Uh, you know, they they all their iterations have been good. So yeah, I, most I think most charisma out of all of the the nominees. Most most charismatic, most kind of elect- yes. electric team, and that that does you know count for something. Well, they're heels you can hate, and that's yep. so rare in wrestling. <laughs> you know, I mean, truly, yeah, it's Sam Adonis again. Yeah. So good at that. So Very good. Cool. At- <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. Does any if we have anything else, we need to jump in there. Otherwise, we can uh, pretty easily rehash the ngd discussion but uh, that's our fourth nominee is ngd yes. we already talked about them in rising star uh there there's a lot to be said but we said a lot of it already uh, is there anything else you guys want to add as far as why you think they should be trio of the year um we kind of covered it in the rising stars thing for the most part 
Yeah, I, I think a lot of that was was covered. And again, it's a big deal that they're in those two, you know, two categories. That, yeah, that I think it speaks a lot to why they're, you know, nominated. Yeah, they they I mean, they, you don't have a conversation about the trios division in, in Mexico without talking about them because they were the best trio in CMLL and they immediately became one of the best trios in the, in AAA and they're, they're all over the Indies at this point. Like you can't, they're, they're, even though they're all very good individual wrestlers, they all had individual titles at various points in their CMLL careers and they will again in, in AAA, I guarantee it. They, they're, they're a, a trio. They're, they're, I believe they're brothers. Is that? factual or are they just cousins i think they're cousins Cousins. okay because yeah yeah because the original was los hermanos dinamita and these are their sons so they're all cousins okay yeah it's like one from each uncle or brother <laughs> from the brother yeah, yeah 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 okay yeah yeah uh, so it, you know it's it's in their blood too but yeah I, it's uh, we, we don't need to say a lot. We've got a lot of other categories to cover. I think we all kind of have made our point about, uh, the NGD. And, uh, I think I'm going to kick it back to you, Miranda, and introduce the next category. Yeah. So, our next category is Tag Team of the Year, and Dusty's going to be sharing the nominees. Yeah. First up, we had La Rebellion. The team of Bestia, Seis, 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 and Mecha Wolf had a great year, had some championship gold, pretty good. Next up, we had Los Vipers, the team of Latigo and Toxin. Maybe not the first tag team you'd think of, but in Lucha Libre this year, it's hard to imagine a tag team that had more appearances at the top of the tag team card, kind of top of the rankings for lack of a better phrasing and speaking of we have Los Hermanos Lee had a big year lots of cool stuff going on for Los Hermanos Lee and then finally we had Lucha Bros and I'm going to start with Los Hermanos Lee they had an incredible year Drillistico and Dragon Lee who is actually Dragon Lee 2 Drillistico was the original Dragon Lee <laughs> then he was Mystico after the original Mystico left oh, now he's God. Drillistico uh, you know, ties the two names together, Dragon. Oh so, my God, why is that? I was today years old when I figured <laughs> that out. <laughs> yeah, eight years old. He's tying together his complicated mask history. He is, uh, Drelistico is a man who has spent most of his career living in a shadow. Like he's, he, he was the second Mystico. He was, uh, he was Dragon Lee, but he wasn't as over as he was when he assumed the Mystico mask, but was that because of how good he was or because Mystico was literally the most popular mask in Mexico for that period of time? Uh, and, uh, this is kind of him breaking out and they started, uh, they started in an ultra hard position because ROH, this is the year ROH died. Yeah. And they were, they were, uh, in, 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 the mix for tag teams when ROH was dying. So, uh, they, they had to recover from that, find their way out to do other things. Uh, they had a triple A debut, I believe, 
and uh, yes. and then they uh, are now kind of uh, scrapping together in in uh, AEW and uh, and uh, Japan. They're going to go over to Japan in, in the yeah. next year. Yeah, and they were champions in the Crash and Pro Wrestling Revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they now, had a yeah. lot of gold this they year. They had a lot of gold, and now they're still the number one contenders for the AAA tag team titles. And uh, you know, again, too, even on, in the independence, you know, not only are they the, the Pro Wrestling Revolution tag team champions, you know, they've had uh, very successful uh, appearances really all over uh, the U.S., um, including King of Indies. Um, where Dragon Lee now is the first ever three-time King of Indies champion. Um, and he had to beat his brother uh, to get there. So uh, also a pretty big milestone for them, not only as tag teams, but as individual competitors. I know this is, you know, them as a tag team, but their resume this year, I think, speaks for itself. Yeah, they they have a lot of a lot of presence this year. And again, to be able to do it from... What is the deep hole of ROH dying is just means that they could have even been done even more had they been with a flourishing company for the first half of the year. I wanted to throw out. So I nominated La Rebellion and it was a little bit of an afterthought, but they've really made a, a big foothold in uh, the NWA. Um, they're now in their second uh, World Tag Team Championship reign um, this year. They held the titles uh, for 286 days when they first had uh, their championships, when they won it last year. Uh, they lost it for a while, um, but then regained the championships back in August, uh, so earlier this fall, and now are going in another successful 100-plus day reign. Um, and very, you know, very big deal to have um, two luchadors um, hold the NWA tag team titles, you know, ones right. that have had such a, a long history, but one with not a huge lucha libre uh presence and not just I'm not talking just Hispanic or Latino lucha libre right so a really big uh, milestone for them and again very successful um you know shows and, and matches all throughout the independent scene but uh you know of the teams that are you know nominated they're the only ones right now well not to say most of Manos Lee are also champions, but um, for major U.S. promotion, you know, this is the team that has kind of the, the their weight and gold uh, when it comes to, you know, being the current NWA tag team champions. So I want to talk a bit about the NWA and Southern Wrestling and why having luchadors there is a big deal, because this is <laughs> Southern Wrestling. Usually, uh, I don't want to say usually, classically, in the uh, in, in the southern area, Latinos come in and they're going to have heel heat right away. They they they're the outsiders. There's a, a culture already for it. They do a lot of that, and so most of the time they don't lean into the lucha libre culture. They lean into other things. So you can talk about guys like Manny Fernandez back in the day, uh, who was just a big badass, and uh, but he never really was a luchador and. Uh, the NWA was so not on, uh, not into what, uh, what Lucha Libre was that, that when they had Hector Guerrero, who's 
legitimately he's a guerrero uh, and a legitimate luchador they put him under uh, a mask and called him lasertron so that he could appeal to the kids <laughs> right so yeah that is our the nwa's history with with luchadors and hispanics so them having the championship comes a long way it is also the oldest american promotion to continuous continuously produce uh, as much as vince mcmahon would like to pretend it's the wwe um so uh, you know you have a lot of history and culture there so for them just to have that for anybody to have any championship there is a significant thing no matter what you think about where they are in the hierarchy of today's promotions that that's mm-hmm. still a very big deal. Yeah. And uh just a, a fun stat that uh they've had now two reigns over 400 days um right now are listed as the six most combined days uh longest reign uh of ta- NWA tag team champions. And that, um that and, counts teams like the Midnight Express, mm-hmm. the Rock and yes. Roll Express. Yes. Yeah, the Rock and Roll Express had five reigns, but only had a combined total of 264 days. Yeah, um, the nice guys never hold the belts long. Yes, so uh, <laughs> that that there's a huge list of, of people that right now they're already surpassing the Midnight, you know, Express. Um, you know, even kind of more uh, modern day uh, names like we we see like uh, you know back from the TNA impact days um are part of this this list um but it's just you know so like team canada uh <laughs> yes i'm looking trying to look at the list to see where where they're at um apparently glacier and jason sugarman uh oh, held it for yeah. one day uh <laughs> as well as dad factor and david flair uh you also have some um interesting uh other you know very short range. AJ Styles and Abyss at 28 days. Um, the Headbangers, yeah. Mosh and Thrasher at 41 days. Um, they had a big Canada. run during the TNA period uh, yeah. of the NWA. They, yeah. yeah. Team Canada, 68 days. Um, was their their reign? They had two reigns at sixty eight. So uh, the point for, of the matter is for those of you who don't know, the Team Canada was uh, James Rude and Robert Storm. I don't know why Storm was on Team Canada, but hey. Uh, <laughs> so and um, it, so yeah, it's those are legit wrestlers that people know today. So yes, it was yeah. my point. So um, yeah, so very just. Very interesting notes there and, uh, very good an analogy too and, and, um, further insight about why, um, having La Rebellion as your NWA tag team champions is a pretty big deal. Absolutely. And unfortunately, I don't have as much for those Vipers. Latigo Toxin, that's the tag team we have nominated here, but they did have a big year. Anytime AAA wanted a big tag team match, they always included Los Vipers. You'd see them against, you know, um, Los Hermanos Lee, as we mentioned. You'd see them in a trios match with, 
you know, Flamita or Abismo Negro Jr., anytime they wanted like a high impact match, they would always get Latico and Toxin to come out. You know, TV shows, big shows at the, you know, like house shows. And they picked up quite a few tag team wins at house shows this year, but probably not. I, I, I nominated them, but probably not a big, choice or the top choice this year just because they didn't capture any gold nothing big going on for them they were just around a lot in important spots and it felt wrong not to include them much like the lucha bros they (laughs) didn't have a whole lot going on had a really fun match just after the new year with uh jurassic express and you know that was pretty cool but after that, they moved into the trio. We haven't seen a whole lot of Lucha Bros action, really. It's mostly been trios work this year from them or, you know, a little bit of solo work from Penta or Phoenix here and there, uh, especially in AAA solo work. But I, I don't know. It felt wrong not to include Lucha Bros as tag team of the year, but it doesn't feel like they deserve it this year. It really feels like the running is between Los Hermanos Lee and La Rebellion. I, I mean, we'll see how the voting plays out. Uh, I will make a little bit, uh, a little statement on, uh, Los Vipers. They, uh, they were only in, in the, like during lockdown, we were talking about them in the Indies. They were up north with Commander as well. Yes. Uh, so to 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 be where they're at already, maybe they would have they were. I consider them for rising star as well. But the other thing that uh, people are less appreciative of, and one of the reasons I love this team so much, is um, these are also much like Taurus, big big strong guys that are really quick. Yeah. So uh, when they're put in those three way tag matches, they're the ones that are doing a lot of the work to make the other two tag teams look really good. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go a little more behind the curtains and talking less about gold and and uh, yeah, wins streaks and things like that, they are the tag team that is always. Then that's why they're always in the mix. So almost every important tag yeah. match and trios match had Latigo and Toxin in it this year and AAA. Almost every important. I mean, like they were in tons of matches this year. Yeah, I mean, so my argument for them being tag team of the year is because they are kind of the the, the star makers. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you'll just have to find out who ends up being our tag team of the year on our next show. We are going to now go into kind of the three last awards uh, of this uh, of our end of year awards. Let's kick it off to Luchadora of the Year. And we have five nominees in this category. Starting off, we have Raquel Gonzalez from WWE, Vibe Apache, Lady Shawnee, Roxanne Perez, and Taya Valkyrie. All right, Miranda, we know you want to talk about Taya Valkyrie, so let's well, start there. Uh, <laughs> So I remember we haven't referenced too much to talking about the awards from last year yet, but this I think is a good time because last year we struggled and ended up, I don't even remember if we even nominated Taya um, last year. And I know that was a weird, you know, uh, in between spot because this was, I believe, um, 
before she was was let go um, from WWE. But still, you know, not, nothing was happening um, with her in NXT. But then when she, you know, got released and went back into the independence, it was the Taya that we knew and had really missed um missed her in impact and and having her have that that return to impact but really in triple a we knew that when she was released she would go home to triple a and she did and from there um became you know taya five belts because uh she of course recaptured the reina de reina's championship uh, she became the first ever MLW, uh, women's featherweight champion. She, uh, became part of the, in, uh, impact, uh, knockouts tag team championships or champions and then, you know, collected championships all over the independent scene. So she came back with guns a blazing. She came back, you know, really as the, the force that we knew that she was. Um, and, I think is a very big missing piece to, um, you know, just, just uh, her presence was very much missed in the independent women's independent scene. Yeah, I definitely feel like her presence was missed and her contributions uh, to, cause much like uh, other people that I've talked to at the indie shows where they bring in a pro, she is the kind of a performer who brings the best out in, the person that she's across the ring from. So she yeah. helps elevate some of these younger stars that are working their way up or she'll keep, um, help keep them, the, the aging ones relevant. So like, you know, uh, you can't say enough good things about it. she's just like we were talking about with Latigo and Toxin. Uh, she's the star maker and, uh, but, uh, she also has a lot of belts this year and a lot of, of success. Oh, yeah. I mean, you talk about uh, anywhere you could see her in a hardcore match in XPW. You could see her do a, a banger uh, with Lady Apache over at Pro Wrestling Revolution. Um, you know, you could you could see her in a, in a Lucha match, you know, in AAA. Like you could. I think that's also what we saw her this year is she could have any type of match with anybody. And that is something that, you know, we talked in a, in a way, too, about kind of the, the awesome ability of Taurus, someone like Taya, who you could really place her anywhere in the world. And she can wrestle men, she can wrestle women, she could wrestle any style. And that is truly a rarity, you know, in the world of wrestling. And whatever, you know, WWE's loss is, you know, kind of the rest of the world's game. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. Taya, like you guys mentioned, everywhere she goes, she proves why she's the best. You see it in everything she does. Her personality and her work speak for themselves. And she, despite not being on the la list last year, she definitely deserves to be on the list this year. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, you know, someone, we, we also started off the show talking about how things change from one week to another. Someone that we nominated um, last week, but, you know, now the case stands to be even bigger for them is Roxanne Perez, Roxy. Um, someone that we also talked about last year, I mean, she was at the time, um, when when Ring of Honor was dying, you know, the, the Ring of Honor Women's Champion. And uh, 
but also someone who got swooped up by WWE and has done insurmountable things and, and has had such a big presence on NXT in the short amount of time that she's been with WWE this year. And that, you know, the icing on the cake happened last week um, on NXT when she won the NXT Women's Championship. And it's just a huge shock, to be honest, how much she's done and how successful she's been. Not to say anything about her talent. It was always there. But just to see how much she's done in a short amount of time is truly shocking. Well, let's talk about that. So she she shocked us when she won the ROH yeah. championship. Yeah. And then they did it again. Like we, even though we, everybody watching knew it was, it was capable, she was capable of it and it was a thing that could happen. Nobody was really thinking it would happen and then it happened again. So, I mean, yeah, she, the, the reason she, she, you know, it's shocking or that it, she's here is because she's so good at, uh, making us think that, you know, oh, maybe the, she's still young. Maybe this isn't the year they, they use her. And, and that works and worked in her favor this year. Cause she, and, and again, she's, uh, in all of this list, she's one of the very few people who held two major championships in two different companies in the same year. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. You know. Which, I mean, isn't all that uh, uncommon anymore. Uh, Taya Five Belts is a good example as well. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it, we're talking, we're talking about moving though from ROH to the WWE, which is, you know, who's notoriously anti-luchador to this day. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, Fun, strange enough, funny enough, the only two luchadoras who carried over from last year were Raquel Gonzalez and Roxanne Perez, Roxy. And, and so it's funny, you know, because you do hear that, you know, the WWE misuses them, but they have been so strong in her booking. You can see, in my opinion, a lot of the Shawn Michaels influence and in what she's mm-hmm. doing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what an impressive year. I feel like it's hard to pick anybody else. When we nominated her, she was not champion yet, and so it seemed kind of like, yeah, we should nominate her. But now it's clear, like, Roxanne Perez has had an incredible, incredible year. Yeah, she cemented and, that this is her year. I mean. And, and she's so young. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, she's just going to be such a talent. I think all the promise that we kind of saw in somebody like Paige or Soraya, whatever you want to call her now, um, that did not pan out in the way that they had hoped. I think we could see that play out for Roxanne Perez. She just has to stay healthy. Yes. The good news is that the WWE is much better about keeping wrestlers healthy than they used to be. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited for her. He already mentioned it, so we're, let's just jump right over to Raquel, though, because uh, she was on the list last year. She was on the list this year largely because I I don't know who else I will ever nominate. I mean, Miranda's all got Taya locked down, so I can. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, those who listen to the show from the beginning know I've been. Uh, big on Raquel's from from day one. I saw her uh, in the women's tournament, and I saw the potential. And uh, last year, I saw her really living into it. This year, I saw her exceed 
uh, at a much faster rate than I thought she would, the potential that I saw, right? I just, she's, uh, she's in the, the main event scene. She's, she's all over the, uh, the women's division, uh, before and after, uh, Vince McMahon. So, like, you know, both, both of the large heads of the WWE seem to, to like her. I knew Triple H liked her, but um, Vince was using her too. So I just, you had, you know, the biggest thing is that she didn't have that shocking moment uh, or a big shocking win, largely because every time she's in the ring, people expect her to win these days. So, yeah, well, yeah. Well, and, and I feel like the big, strong, you know, overly strong, you know, type story kind of went to Rhea Ripley and it put Raquel on a back burner comparatively she sort of had that you know that she was big enough and tough enough to wrestle the guys and and bigger and tougher than the rest and then I felt like the focus kind of changed after Rhea's thing took off for you know it just felt like it changed for Raquel so as me as somebody thinking long-term storyline there's plenty of time to do that what they're doing with Rhea later. Like you don't, you don't need to have her also wrestling the men. You can have her being a dominant force on another brand. They've got two, three brands now. Yeah. Three. So, (laughs) so, so they can do that. They can have her wrestle. They can have her be a force. They can have her be a presence, but just in the women's division. And then later, when uh Rhea has shifted her focus to something else, you can bring her out. I mean, I still think that uh, you know, they did the they did my 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 fantasy booking with Raquel and Dominic, only they did it with Rhea and, and Dominic. So I'm not upset with the, the the either of these choices. But uh there's plenty of room for that. But what we did get was still good. We still got a lot of she was a solid performer. She's still in the main event category. Um, I, I mean, you guys can decide when we'll see how the voting plays out, but I think I, she deserves to be in the conversation as a result of that, even if, uh, she's not being utilized in an American company as well as, uh, we would like to see her used. Yeah. Well, and again, she made that big jump from NXT to, you know, SmackDown <laughs> this year. And that in and of itself is a, is a very big accomplishment. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always, turbulent. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's always, you know, challenging because that also happened around the time that there was big leadership changes within WWE. So I think her time will come. Um, you know, and, and we'll see what 2023 holds, but I, I think her time will come, but still really great accomplishments this year. Um, you know, still as a, as a former NXT women's champion, um, you know, and, and still having her time in NXT. Um, she, uh, believe won, um, the, the women's dusty classic again. Uh, no, 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 they didn't. They, uh, it was, it was a last made it to the finals made it to the final yes yes yeah i got confused on on who won but still you know um someone that again that that transition can be tough and she did it pretty well and um you know still a very strong presence within within wwe and uh, i think they're working and learning how to really commercialize her too which you know will add years to someone's career 
yeah, she's she is marketable in a very different way from Rhea Ripley since we were mm-hmm. making that comparison. She's yeah. and and uh being a, a second generation luchador means that she has a lot of marketability in a very different market too. So lots to be done with her. I think we'll be talking a bit her about her more as we get closer to the WWE going to Mexico. Yes. So also nominated this year is Lady Shawnee. And I feel like she is truly a, a staple of Triple of A. But want to get your guys' thoughts on her nomination this year. She really is a staple of AAA, but she's somebody they can count on when they need somebody. You know, they can, we've talked about this a lot. You know, this is one of the important things in the, you know, like it, in a wrestler, but she is that type of person. She is somebody they can count on. She's also, like we mentioned, kind of a fabulous base for most other wrestlers, the lady wrestlers. Uh, she was in the PWI top 150, I think this year, third year in a row, something like that. A lot going on for Lady Shawnee. She's a big deal, and I think going to be a big deal for a long time. I don't know that we see her kind of as the biggest deal in AAA. It seems like the time for that is kind of come and gone if they were going to do that. I believe she's also freelancing right now. But a lot of what we've seen her in this year are tag team matches or, you know, mixed tag team match type matches in triple a or trios matches you know i mean we've we've just seen her in those settings but again when they have you know like uh i i remember specifically there was a team up of her with mysticis jr and nino ambergesa against arhina stave the clown and lady marvia and like she was there to kind of equalize lady marvia excellent pairing excellent match i mean really high profile but then you also see her in some really big tag matches there's just a lot that lady shawnee does as a utility player that you might not necessarily see in terms of star power well i i'm I'm gonna go the other way i think she has a lot of star power one of the reasons she's using all of those matches is because they don't want her in the uh the championship stuff but she's too popular to not have on cards like yeah well and she had that match with tarantes that was very popular Mm -hmm. yeah she is beyond a shadow of a doubt one of the most popular wrestlers in Mexico, and I, that's that's men and women. So that's one of the reasons that I I I'm the one that nominated her because she's just so universally liked and popular that they, I mean she can she can be doing opener matches with uh, mixed trios like your Atomicos trios like you were describing with uh, with the Lady Maravilla feud over Nino Amburguesa and <laughs> still still be uh, the the draw and the, the thing that gets the the butts and seats for that opening match and and as well as being in the main event like she's just so popular and again I, this was a lockdown story so not this year but she was her mask is so popular that uh, people were using that when COVID mask recommendations were in place. That was one of the more fun stories we covered. Yeah, well, it was so. because you couldn't get masks, and people already had her mask at home, so they yeah. put it on because it covered your nose and mouth. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. genius. 
Well, in a big year for, and this is more just by making one big move, it felt like, is maybe Apache. Um, And that big move from AAA to CMLL was huge news in the world of of Lucha Libre, um, you know, just a few months ago. Yeah, it was big. I mean, the the division lines between CMLL and AAA are still very strong in Mexico. And not maybe not so much with the fans, but politically amongst the companies. Like they just have a hard time with each other in a business sense as well. And so for her to jump and it was kind of announced that she was going to jump and then she said no, she wasn't going to CMLL. She was only going to the Indies. Which I guess could be true, but she wrestled in the Women's Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So the uh, AAA does have bad feelings, but it seems to me, based and this is a very outside opinion, like I am not basing this on any personal conversation or knowledge, but it seems to me like AAA doesn't have the hard line that uh, CMLL does, where if you've ever wrestled for CMLL, you won't wrestle for AAA. They don't have that. And it doesn't seem like they have that. Um, so, uh, you know, going that, going from the Indies, I mean, she went the other way. Never mind. My point is, is invalid. I don't know. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's still like a big, and I don't, I want to say power move because I don't think that's the, maybe that's not yeah. the, the right term for it, but that's a huge, uh, it, it was just a, a huge move um, in, in that direction. Um, whether that is a, a more consistent uh, appearance with CMLL, I mean, that is truly something that I think for women you don't have not traditionally seen. Um, and so I think that that really just you know helps solidify her place as such a, a pillar in uh, Lucha Libre, um, but also as someone who, as a woman, had, you know, has pretty took, pretty much took that value in herself and took that risk, possibly. And I don't want to, again, you know, we're saying all these things that we're, you know, just from our perspective of how this this move looked, but took that, that chance on, on herself and made a, a really big move, um, yeah. in the side of, of CMLL. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, uh, just to point out for people who are a little less familiar though, uh, the Apache name is synonymous with women's wrestling right mm-hmm. now. Like in Mexico, you cannot talk about women's wrestling without an Apache being there. So I don't know. Maybe part of that, part of this move was because you can't have a dynasty like that without going to that historic arena, Mexico. That mm-hmm. might have been a, a checklist thing for her. So. Well, you'll just have to now figure out. Or listen to our next show to see who's going to be our luchadora of the year. Up next, well, we're almost down to it, but we got two more categories to discuss. Up next is our luchador of the year. Brendan, go ahead and announce our nominees. We have four candidates, and I don't think anybody is going to be surprised by any of them. So I'm just going to read them out, and then uh, we'll we'll start off. But we've got Penta. 
We've got Phoenix, we've got Vikingo, and we've got Bandito. Uh, so I'm going to, uh, to throw this, cause Miranda, you had a bunch of points on this. I'm gonna throw, uh, Bandito to you. You can start off the conversation there, because, uh, I think he's the one that has, we have the most to say about this year, even though all of our listeners are going to be thinking of at least one of the other three wrestlers as their pick. Yeah. Well, Bandito and, and I think we even played around with him uh, under, you know, um, rising star, um, because he really had a breakout year in the United States specifically, um, from, you know, being a part of Ric Flair's last match pay-per-view to his appearance on AEW and ultimately signing with him. Um, even, uh, prior to that, uh, you know, working with MLW, uh, and wrestling, uh, Hammerstone for the MLW Heavyweight Championship, uh, appearances, you know, even on the independent scene and pro wrestling revolution and, and really all over his presence was truly felt this year and synonymous with amazing matches. Um, just banger after banger after banger and someone who, and we kind of talked about this a little bit with Taurus as far as how kind of deceptively strong he is. Um, and someone who can really be in the ring with anybody. Um, I mean, again, we saw it in singles matches, multi-man matches, but I just think probably out of everyone on this list, he had the most kind of high ranking matches. Um, and I know we talked about Vikingo as far as having, you know, an amazing record, but I think, you know, Bandito wrestled a lot more and I think consistently outperformed, um, Vikingo, which I know is a, could be a somewhat of a controversial <laughs> statement, but I, I, Kind that's, of, you know. Hashtag what, Miranda on social media. Well, <laughs> I think, what I think more, you look at quantity and quality, you know, and, and I think that Bandito had both. He had a lot, a lot of matches and a lot of them were just consistently great with Vikingo not having as many. Now I, I know granted there was a lot of other factors to it, but I do think that that plays well in Bandito's favor. Uh, I, I mean, I just have a quick addition on that. In addition to all of his great matches, he has the big lucha promotion and his gym. So, like, he is such an incredible presence in Lucha Libre and pushing Lucha Libre this year. He has to be in the discussion on that oh, yeah, alone. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And getting, I mean, getting signed really off of that, that match with Chris Jericho is huge. Um, yes. That that's a, a big feather in in his cap to then now be able to have a more consistent U.S. presence. And talking about you know the what happened with Ring of Honor, he was also somebody yeah. where we didn't really know what was going to happen to him after Ring of Honor just you know went away. Yeah. So a, a really good recovery for Bandito. Uh, yeah. Also, a lot of the people we've talked about were, that were able to make good things come out of uh, ROH's unfortunate and untimely uh, end. Any thoughts, Dusty, or do you want to move on to somebody else? Uh, well, I mean, you guys pretty well covered it, but I could move on to Penta. I've got a lot of thoughts on Penta. <laughs> That's okay. That's Let's fair. That's fair. And, okay, Penta. We've talked about being a team player. He was in a lot of matches this year. 
not a ton of singles matches, but a lot of matches. And, like, Penta was everywhere this year. He was in AAA. He was in AEW. He was in The Crash. He, uh, Vanguardia, um, you know, I mean, he was everywhere this year. And he got a lot of big wins. I mean, he picked up wins. Uh, you know, John Morrison, as he was known, um, Max Caster, QT Marshall. He picked up a lot of Aries, a lot of wins this year, but he was in a lot of big matches too. I mean, he wrestled Rouge. Uh, he teamed with Vikingo at the Gear Anniversario show. Um, and the one that I was thinking of, we kind of touched on it earlier, the last match he was pinned off Skiro, at least in my notes, was the Tornado Tag Match from Dynamite on August the 10th, 2022, when they lost to Andrade and Roosh. After that, it was pretty much Death Triangle, but his work in Death Triangle has just been so exciting. Very strong work. And then we have the AAA Ruleta de la Muerta. So much went on with that. He was kind of a dark horse candidate from the beginning, especially for Brendan to lose his mask. He made it all the way through to the finals and beat Viano for in a very emotional match, like incredibly emotional in a way you wouldn't necessarily expect. And he just really embodied what it means to be a luchador anywhere he was at. He was at the top of the card. Any match he was in was almost always the best match of the night. And everything he did was just perfect work. He is so fluid and so effortless and he just makes it look like it's not work at all. And everything he does is just spectacular. And for, I I really think Penta had an incredible year this year for all those reasons. Very true. Really, really good statement. There's a lot of that I kind of forgotten about Penta uh, that you mentioned. So really, really good. So how does that work in in Phoenix's favor as well? Um, There was things they did together, but things they were able to do separately. I I also think of someone who is very consistent um, in the ring and his presence is is Phoenix. Yes, absolutely. I I mean, can you kind of go over a little bit of, of Phoenix's kind of accomplishments this year? Well, I think the biggest accomplishment this year as a single star was this match with Vikingo at Triple Mania. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was really kind of the night that Vikingo, we, we kept saying, he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the guy. That mm-hmm. was really the night he ascended to being the guy. And yeah. Phoenix was an integral part of that. The you could tell AAA wanted something spectacular, and this was a bit of a spot fest in that way that some people don't care for in Lucha. But I thought it was spectacular because it was really Vikingo stepping up to Phoenix and showing him what he could do, mm-hmm. and Phoenix going toe-to-toe with the new guy. Like he, Anything yeah. the new guy could do, the guy that was supposed to be the guy, Phoenix could do. So why isn't Phoenix the guy? And I feel that match really embodied his year and his career. Phoenix can do everything everybody else can do, sometimes better than they can do it. But he has never been the guy. And we just don't see the 
disconnect there between his ability and why he's not the guy. And so I really felt like his presence this year, and again, same as Penta, we saw a lot of, you know, he started the year as tag team champion in AEW, ended the year as AEW trios champion, um, you know, because of the way the best seven will go. Just incredible stuff. And what a big year for Phoenix. Finally, some recognition. And again, they knew that that match at Triple Mania was going to make Vikingo a star. And not only were all eyes on Vikingo, they were on Phoenix. And Phoenix did some incredible things this year. Had an arm injury on mm-hmm. AEW that was very talked about. It was pretty freaky to see. He bounced back from that to be better than ever. He's better than ever. And like, how do you do that? How do you improve year after year when you're Phoenix? Especially when you're performing at the level that he does. And so I think all of those things make him a very very strong contender for luchador of the year uh well yeah so sorry uh, if you were trying to grab me somebody knocked at my door um uh, but i i agree with both of these guys uh we talked about i keep talking about the star maker quality and that's what they've done this year is they've helped make the stars uh so there's absolutely no reason not to have them in the discussion because that is an important factor. They, they're there, they're present, and they have a, a very big ability to make other people look good, really good. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Now let's talk last but not least about, uh, Ihole Vikingo. Um, and, and looking at the dates, I kept thinking he had won, uh, you know, the mega championship this year, but it was actually, uh, a bit over a year ago. Now mm-hmm. it was December of last year when he won it. So now he's been mega champion for, you know, over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say everything is just this, this anticipation, you know, knowing, I think last year he really did solidify himself as, you know, the next person, next, the, the next big luchador this year i think he absolutely showed it in every way and i know i i I talked earlier about you know bandito and his quality of matches but the kingo is one where it was you know it it was just ridiculously good and it it was just like i want to say near perfection in a way where like of course, he doesn't have to wrestle as as much, or, or really not nearly as much anymore. But he is just someone that truly embodies this really this new era of of lucha libre. Um, and I think that he's such a one now too. Seeing him now finally make you know his debut in the United States, um, you know, really could be the next person that brings lucha to this this new level. And a lot of that is due just to his position within AAA and being a mega mega champion. Absolutely, and you can't discount his feud with Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. He's kind of rekindled that the last couple of weeks saying you know that maybe he would show up in AEW to challenge Kenny Omega because they never got their match and 
I mean, he really could be the guy. I think more than anybody else in the category this year, even more than Bandito, he transcends language that you, you know, he doesn't need to be able to speak English. He doesn't need a mouthpiece. Vikingo can just show up and do Vikingo and that's enough. And we talk about is ring work enough for Vikingo? It is. He's got yeah. that charisma. He's got that physical presence. Everything is just so perfect that he doesn't, I mean, it, it is enough for him and I think that's very very rare even in I mean we see it in Bandito but even more in Vikingo I, I think you know maybe a couple of hiccups due to consistency compared to Bandito Bandito is very consistent at that level which is very impressive but when Vikingo decides to be impressive it's insane oh yes yeah that that's that's really I mean I have a hard time even articulating that because it's exactly that it's when it's on it's on and it's just near it's near perfection yeah it's electric yes it really is. Uh, having gotten to see him twice in recent weeks live, it's even more so in person. Like there, especially he does this, he does this spot now where he's on the middle rope, just casually hanging out, but his body's on the outside and then he will do some sort of attack to the inside of the ring. And that just has this, this, uh, energy because he's looking right at, at fans when he's doing that and it just really, added something to the to the arsenal that like i you know normally it feels kind of contrived the guy standing on top of the turnbuckle and looking over there like you know you still have your moment where you're like really excited but he had nowhere else to look when he's just in that position and and that just really made me it added an electric element that i didn't realize was missing from an already electric performance um I, I'm the one that put him on here. I, I, we constantly were talking about, he was our rising star, I believe, last year. Yes, he was. Uh, and, uh, and I always have, uh, I, I have said that this, he's arrived and, and you can't be the mega champion, do all of the, the mega champion things, have the matches he's had this year. Uh, and not be in this conversation for Luchador of the Year. Uh, his, to Dusty's point, his, his wrestling speaks for itself. Uh, it just, he's, he's, um, he's the, the standard right now in Lucha Libre. Like even the guys in CMLL are probably comparing themselves to what he's doing and wondering how they can be more in there. Uh, the only the only thing that is even remotely slowing him down is he didn't really start his indie break until near the end of the year. So yeah. like just now yeah. starting Very to get true. to see him. That's a really good point. That that you know we talked about the indie presence of a lot of people uh, nominated tonight, and that's you know part of the drive of why they are good contenders. Um, that's that's one thing that maybe is a mark against Vikingo, but at the same time, again the quantity versus quality that the quality of his matches this year definitely overrides you know any quantity questions or concerns. And when people get to see that, that, uh, Nick Wayne match, I think they're really going to, the, the indie circuit is going to light up with requests for him. I just, I. 
Very. I, I mean, that makes just 2023 more exciting. There's already right, announcements yeah. you know, <laughs> of where Vikingo will go next. Um, and I know those announcements will just kind of continue throughout 2023. Oh, yeah. Now we are going to head into our last category, Match of the Year. This year we have five nominees. Dusty, can you present our nominees for Match of the Year? Yes. First up, we have Penta versus Viano Four in a mask versus mask. Excuse me, Ruleta de la Muerta Apuestas match from October the 10th, 2022. Next up we have, and we discussed it a lot already, Vikingo versus Phoenix. Mega Campion Championship match also October 15th, 2022. After that we have Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio versus Miz and Logan Paul at WrestleMania 38, April the 1st, 2022. We have Ricochet versus Santos Escobar on SmackDown for the SmackDown World Cup on December 2nd, 2022. And our dark horse, we have Sammy Guevara versus Cody Rhodes in the ladder championship match on Dynamite from January the 21st, 2022. And not, not that it, it would be a winner, but I felt like it had to be mentioned. We forgot mm-hmm. about it's placement earlier this year. Sammy, for better or for worse, is AAA mixed tag team champion. He hasn't defended the titles in quite a long time. And I mean, it's its own thing. And Sammy's kind of the opposite of some of the other cases where he started the year very strong, ended the year in a much different place perceptually. Yeah. And it, it's just different, but this match was incredible. Cody Rhodes, how can you forget when he suplexed Sammy off the top rope or off the top of the ladder rather, and then Sammy returned the favor later from the top of the ladder with a cutter? I mean, incredibly giving. It, it was just a very cool match. And at the time, we said, this is a match of the year contender. And it feels like because of the kind of heat on Sammy, we've forgotten what a fantastic and special match that was. Very cool. It was Cody's way out of AEW, so there was a lot of stuff tied into that. And and it just made Sammy feel important. And for a minute there, it made Sammy feel like he was going to be Maybe a luchador of the year contender, or at least a main event contender, and the kind of heat on Sammy and the whole thing with Ty Mello kind of uh, speed bumps that. But we'll see what happens. But it, it's easy to forget that that match was incredible at the time. Yeah, I I mentioned this. One of the reasons I didn't, I think it's one of those matches I shut out of my head because it had uh, it had some injury spots in it. Yeah. Uh, so I was last thinking. I last was uh, uh, my lasting impression was less on the good wrestling and more on the absolute terror I experienced watching parts of that match. So. Well, and yeah. and I think what got overshadowed was where you know Cody went after. Um, and I think you know talking too about how Sammy you know was more in a backwards moving progression um all the news you know after that was all about where cody was going and and what cody was doing next and everything with cody so i think that that definitely um overshadowed the impact that this match had i mean there's a lot based off of all three things that we've talked about have has that working against it yeah um 
Uh, all right. I think uh, we also have to defend the other highly controversial <laughs> choice on this one. Um, Rey Mysterio and, uh, and Dominic against the Miz, of all people, and Logan Paul. I know. I like to make uh, controversial choices. But <laughs> when you think about, you know, what people are remembering uh, from this year's WrestleMania, that is one of the matches. Um, and this, too, you know, is before, you know, Dominic uh, became part of Judgment Day and, um, you know, had that that big turn. But this was also probably one of the more feel good moments for the Mysterios and where people were really, um, you know, rallying behind them because, you know, the Miz and Logan Paul were such good heels. It's one of the few times this year I really remember people truly rooting for the Mysterios and. It's also another controversial statement about it is, you know, uh, Logan Paul was incredible in in this match, uh-huh. much better than anybody in a million years thought. And that played so well with Ray and Dominic that uh, overall, this was a highly entertaining match and one of the biggest showcases for the Mysterios this entire year. I I mean, we have to say it was definitely the best celebrity match. Like, I can't think of a better celebrity match that I've seen in my lifetime. So, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. At least Logan Paul is the best celebrity wrestler (laughs) they've had and the best celebrity WrestleMania match they've ever had. (laughs) I feel like his match with Roman was actually pretty fantastic. Like, objectively, not a big Logan Paul fan, but objectively, very good match. I don't think any of us are Logan Paul fans on this show. Um, If you can be free to correct me if you want, or you can stay on. Nah, I'm good. But again, when they had one of their biggest celebrities, somebody that they wanted to look fantastic, they brought out Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. And, and, and Logan Paul looked like a giant compared to Rey, but not as much compared to Dominic. So Dominic got to be the equalizer for the team, which was a cool spot for him. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a dark horse candidate. I would not have thought of it myself, but I think it has merit. I'm, I mean, I don't know if it was match of the year, but it was a very good match. It's a very important match. So I, I recognize that it's very worth discussing. Uh, and it, it really was the, the last time we saw like the Mysterios as the mega popular force. Like they'd started planting the seeds for Dominic's, uh, heel turn after uh, the Monday after this. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, or the Friday after, I don't know, whatever show that was on. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was good stuff. I just, uh, I definitely, when people were hearing the matches, they were probably like, yeah, yeah. And then they heard this in the Sammy Guevara match and probably went, what the heck are you guys thinking? So figured we had to start some, start there and, and, and work our way to the other ones. Yeah. Speaking of kind of a, a dark horse, and this probably has more recency bias, is Ricochet and, and Santos Escobar um, for the finals of the, the World Cup on SmackDown. It absolutely has recency bias. I will uh, point out that there is another match, I'm not going to say which one, that I was potentially going to nominate. And when I saw somebody else nominated, I had to hurry and find things in my notes. So I chose <laughs> that one because... Uh, 
first off, uh, it represents a significant change for the treatment of lucha luchadors in Mm -hmm. in the WWE. Yeah. Um, but also it was just an amazing showcase of what those two athletes can do. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, that, I mean, that may not hold up a candle to, you know, seeing Vikingo and Phoenix. I don't, that's, uh, everybody's going to have an opinion on, on that. Uh, I, I think it does. I think it, it is in the same conversation. You, you have athletes at the height of their career. I have always been an Escobar fan. I think he is underrated and, uh, because, largely because he's being underutilized. And if he were in, Triple A still, I think he would have been in in contention to be in that in a match with. Or he would be doing work with Vikingo for sure, and we mm-hmm. would see what he's doing, so what he is capable of. So uh, that's why I nominated it. Uh, it, I mean, I will, I will not lie. It has absolute recency bias, but uh, there's also solid arguments for why it needs to be discussed. Yeah. I absolutely agree with what you were saying, Brendan. Um, and it is one of those things where it also kind of symbolizes how WWE is, is much more open in acknowledging wrestlers past and their history and whether they've been in the ring together before. And that was alluded to a, a lot in this match. And so, um, and it's one that if, you know, for fans who are, are, those who are fans of Lucha Underground knew this match could deliver in it, and it really did. On SmackDown, that is truly is known more of being the wrestling show. So I think that if you look at the history of, you know, everything that was presented on WWE television this year, that is a huge turning point. This time next year, I think we'll have a lot more of these types of matches to discuss. Um, but it's not just the quality of the match, but I think what it, it signifies for WWE in in really investing in, you know, pro wrestlers in these two in particular, um, you know, says something about them and says something about the direction that the company is going in. Yeah, I think it's a very positive sign. And we, we've talked about this before, that Triple H just kind of seems to get it compared to Vince as far as Lucha goes. And I feel like this was our strongest sign that good thing, you know, to quote Kalisto, that good Lucha things are happening. And I think this really shows a lot of promise for somebody like Angel Garza that we, you know, didn't see as strong of a showing again just because of underutilization. But seeing what they allowed Ricochet versus Santos Escobar, what they allowed them to do, and the placement of Angel Garza on the Mexican tour makes me feel very confident about what could happen. And as far as the bloodline and everything goes, there's really no place for Garza and um, Humberto Carrillo if they want to be a tag team right now. So I think that the strong showing in this also shows that maybe they're smart and holding off on Los Lotharios as a tag team until the bloodline thing can work its way through. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's fair. Now let's jump into the more obvious picks. Um, because that, you know, I think we've done enough to justify some of the, the dark horses, <laughs> but let's go into the, the matches that truly are justified in being on this, on this list. Yeah, we have the triple mania matches. I, I think that it's 
fantastic that it's Penta and one and Phoenix and the other, mm-hmm. uh, but they were very different matches. Penta was kind of going toe to toe with the old guard. Phoenix was going toe to toe with the new guard, and they were both trying to equal out the bag of tricks that the the young guy had and the the old guy had. So they told different stories, but at the same time. They were so beautiful and classic, and especially the Pinta versus Viano 4, we had so much emotion going into it. Viano 4 yes. was very emotional. Yes. And, and just the connection, and, and they really made you think Pinta was going to lose his mask. We discussed it on the show. Could he make it with face paint? Did he need the mask? You know, what was the next thing? Because it seemed fairly certain that Pinta might lose the mask. It really, mm-hmm got tight there and the emotional connection there and the suspension of disbelief just made it an incredible match beautiful match it, it just pulled you in with the story and and you felt it it was a match that you felt right. and that is so important and just so beautiful in wrestling something that we don't get all the time and they really did a great job of that yeah, uh, so, I mean, this is, this is a match I love. Uh, I, one of the things that my biggest complaints about the, the more indie style is a lot of the times the moves are very disconnected from any sort of emotion. Uh, like, yes. you know, they're, they're trying to excite you, they're trying to pop you out of your seat, but this, there was, uh, there was very clear story, there was, there was, you had, whether you were rooting for Penta or whether you were rooting for Viano, you had emotion. You were invested in this match. You know, people wanted to not see Penta unmasked. People wanted to see Viano go out on top. People, there was so much going on in this. And then, uh, Viano did this in, in all of his matches. He very passionately started the fight every time. And, uh, that was part of why you had that belief that maybe this is would be the match that penta lost because he was working penta over for a good portion of this match and uh it was very you know just you were just very invested in is this gonna be it i don't i don't know and uh, yeah i just there was i i think this is more than just match of the year i think it's it's uh, a historic match that we should be talking about on this week in lucha libre for years to come yes that's such a good point that's such a good point. I, I totally agree with what Dusty was saying with the emotion behind it and what you were saying, Brennan, about the uh, emotional significance behind it. Um, and but also, too, you know, that that new guard, old guard type of uh, dichotomy, too, with Vikingo and Phoenix. And I think where Penta and Viano for was more gruesome and intense, Vikingo and Phoenix got you with more of that, that speed, that high flying, that entertainment, that awe of these are, these are humans or are these superheroes. And so that, too, on kind of the flip side, very different matches, but still both engaging in emotion in very different ways. So it's it's hard. It's almost apples and oranges. But in it, the, it is. It is. And, A lot yeah. of it is just what your 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 flavor is. And uh, okay. to your point about are they human or not, they did both do superhero landings during the match. So I don't think either of these guys is truly human. They're, one of them is a cyborg and one of them is a superhero. Just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I mean, on the other side, I, I have, I loved the Vikingo Phoenix match. Uh, absolutely. It, is, it, it was, to your point, it was, it was a kinetic masterpiece. It was, there was, there was story going on. I'm not gonna, you know, pretend like these guys just, I'm not gonna go all cornet and say they just do flippy shit for with no story, but, uh, they, uh, it was, it was, uh, intense. The, 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 the kind of one-upsmanship, that was really kind of the, anything you can do, I can do, was kind of what I was reading out of the story, and I was loving it. Yeah. No, it was, and it was a technical masterpiece, and it was beautiful, and, and it was everything Lucha Libre can be as far as fluid grace and dynamics and back and forth. Like, Penta versus Viana was a brilliant grounded match, and, Phoenix versus Vikingo was a brilliant aerial match, almost an aerial ballet. It was so perfect and synchronized and the things they can do. And, and like you said, it was, you know, anything you can do, I can do better. And the things we saw from these guys, the gravity that they defied, it just doesn't make sense. And <laughs> just, I mean, just stunning. I mean, visually stunning. You can't yep. believe what you saw. And even though you don't have the same emotional connection, your visual and visceral connection with it happening and unfolding in front of your eyes, you're spellbound. It's a yes. it's a completely different thing. And, and and you just can't look away. It's it's stunning. And so yeah. that is very important too. And to have that element and that spellbound feeling really makes it a match of the year contender. I feel like it is the best match of its type for the year. Yes. Oh yeah. Maybe yes. of all time. I mean, yes. it's really incredible. Yeah. I mean, so when you go all time, you're comparing it to, to matches like, uh, again, Ricochet and Will Ospreay. So you'll be, yeah. You're putting it in some pretty high high air, but I'm not going to argue that it doesn't belong there. I just want to. Yeah. I want people to fans no, I to agree. understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I hold it in very high esteem. Well, we made a case for every match uh, in this category for every luchador nominated uh, for our end of year awards. So. Now it's time for voting. So myself, Dusty, and Brendan will be voting. And on our next show, we're going to be talking about the results and giving you the winners of each of these categories. We'll also be reflecting a bit uh, on winners of years past, as we've uh, kind of mentioned tonight. And, you know, really talk about uh, the decision-making process when it came to selecting the winners for each of these categories. So make sure you stay tuned to the next episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. And don't forget to check out luchacentral.com, the home of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. But I can't give you, you know, I can't justify it. I can't <laughs> do, you know, it justice. So, Brendan, can you let our listeners know what, they can find on luchacentral.com. All right, let's do this. Uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't visited luchacentral.com, it is time to do it. Luchacentral.com is your online home for Lucha Libre, where you can get all of the top news in English and in Spanish. You can find the best curated video content and original content that is not seen anywhere else. You can find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your areas. You can find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. 
It's a place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards, seen and read by top executives in all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And uh, here we go. This is the the, the achievement because uh, on top of all of that, it's still free, which is my favorite prize for anything. So yeah. visit LuchaCentral.com. It's your home for centralized. It's your centralized home for all things Lucha Libre. Yeah. Well, don't forget to to follow Lucha Central on social media at Lucha Central on Instagram and Facebook and at Lucha Central com on Twitter. You can also follow Lucha Central's YouTube page where you can find hours upon hours of exclusive content, which includes previous episodes of the Lucha Central weekly podcast, both in English and and in Espanol, as well as other shows from the Lucha Central Podcast Network, interviews, matches, and much, much more, all on the Lucha Central YouTube page. And while you're at it, go ahead and follow us on social media. Dusty, can you let our listeners know where they can find you? Yeah, I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy, and I am on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy. And Brendan, can you let our listeners know where they can find you? Oh, yes, I am uh, 321 T-Shirt Guy. That's the numbers 321. T-Shirt Guy is all spelled out. I am on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. And I'm all over the Twitters. And me, Miranda Morales. You can find me at the hashtag Miranda on Instagram and Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. So if you didn't like any of my picks, go ahead and bother Brendan about it because I'm not going to hear it. I got I no do, time for that. I do have a soft plug for more of our stuff. All of our previous year-end stuff is available in the library as well. So if you want to hear what we did and what we alluded to, that's on there. Last year, we also introduced the Cookie Sheet Award, and that's back again. So that's more things for you to tune in for. Listen to last year's Cookie Sheet Award to know more about what that's all about, but we'll tell you on the next episode if you, you can't be bothered. Yes. No, good, good <laughs> plug, Brendan. We have the 2021 uh, and 2020 end of year awards that are available in the backlog at luchacentral.com on the central, on the Lucha Central YouTube page and where you can find Lucha Central, uh, podcasts on uh, all of your streaming networks like Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, and much, much more. So in preparation of our 2022 end of year awards, make sure you listen uh, to the 2021 and 2020 end of year awards in those episodes. Of course, as well as all of our 2022 episodes, you can listen all online and get ready for what's to come in 2023. So thank you again all so much for listening and thank you so much for supporting us this year in 2022. Brendan, Dusty, anything you'd like to share with the listeners as we uh, sign off for 2022? Uh, we had a couple of big falls from last year with uh, Thunder Rosa not being on the list this year, which I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, gosh, there was another one. Um, Oh, Los Inetes del Are didn't, oh, yes. didn't make the list this year. So I just thought I would mention that. Kind of interesting to see how their year went compared to last year. Well, uh, one of them did. Vikingo is on the list. but Yeah, that's oh, true. Uh, it seems like they went more for individual titles this year and 
as a result, some of them, we, we, all of them almost got nominated for many of these awards, but they just, only Vikingo made the final cut. Yeah, it's, uh, you brought up a good point, uh, Dusty, about that. I also know, um, you know, a fan favorite that we didn't have, uh, this year was awarded last year or part nominated last year for Rising Star was, uh, Mr. Iguana. Yeah. Um, friend of the show and he's continued to make his presence out here in the U.S. consistently. But, you know, I think the competition was, was pretty steep this year. It was super steep in, in most of the male categories. So yeah, he had a hard, rough road to climb. He is one of the people that's got a, a master public work visa. So we're going to see a lot more of him in the upcoming year. So I expect he will be in the conversation. Very exciting. Yeah, and you bring up a, another good point, Brendan, about what 2023 is going to happen. I mean, we talk about uh, Vikingo, but there's a variety of luchadors who um, will likely be taking advantage of uh, the visas uh, available through um, sponsorship with Mass Republic. And so that U.S. presence is going to grow, um, which is exciting for Lucha Libre fans here in the States to be able to see a lot more luchadors um, in independent promotions really throughout uh, the U.S. And But that's also going to mean the radar is going to be at peak. Bigger, bigger and bigger. I, I'm I'm excited for it. Um, and on that note, I, I'm going to once again do the indie roundup uh, plug. Please, we're still going to stay focused on the indies, so it, it doesn't have to be a show with Vikingo on it. It could have two guys with uh, with with uh, paper bag masks that, and and fake sounding Mexican names. But you know, send your send me your results anyway. It will probably make the show. So please. We already did the socials, so you know how to reach me. Yes, don't forget to reach out if you are an independent wrestler, promotion, fan, uh, you know, uh, videographer, photographer, uh, merchandiser, supporter of Lucha Libre. Please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to get to know more about what else is happening throughout the United States uh, to share more about matches and talent that we can bring to a larger audience. So make sure you follow us on social media. Make sure to follow Lucha Central on social media and make sure to stay tuned to the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. So for Brendan Barr and for Dusty Murphy, I am Miranda Morales. Thank you all so much for a wonderful 2022, and we will be back with you in We're